If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. It's a great weekend, uh, a massive weekend for fight fans. Sunday uh, morning New Zealand time, Anthony Joshua uh, puts his heavyweight boxing belts on the line against Alessandro Usyk. Uh, and then later that afternoon, it's UFC 266 featuring our very own Dan the Hangman Hooker. And now I'm pleased to say Lightning Mike Angover is on the line. Most respected commentator, City Boxing, uh, City Kickboxing trainer, former world champion. Uh, so many titles uh, for, for Mike Angover. Good morning to you, uh, Mike. First of all, can we start with Izzy Adesanya? Quite outspoken, isn't he? Uh, and uh, says he'll never fight in New Zealand again. Well, he's certainly frustrated, obviously. Um, I haven't spoken to him since he since he said that. But the the reality of the logistics right now is that that's, that's impossible. Um, you know, uh, when we talked about bringing uh, the UFC here, which would be a major production, of, of course, um, mm. it, it's just impossible uh, because of the... MIQ system, and you know that's a necessary evil, if you like. Um, so, so that's certainly off the table uh, under the current pandemic situation. I think his frustration is is born out of uh, what appears to be the inconsistency of of the way things are weighted um, in terms of uh, what happened with the the original training bubble, um, how. You know, what seemed like a, a sensible solution that wasn't putting, uh, you know, the country's health at risk that had previously been approved. Um, the, the the goalpost shifted on that, um, which essentially did two things. It, it robbed the ability of us to uh, arrange for hockey to go overseas in nearly a date um, and, and train over there and take a, take a group over there. Um, so we, we couldn't do that. And obviously it put him in a situation where uh, he only fights once or twice a year um, and uh, put him in a situation where, like many others, and I'm not um, accounting for you know the difficulties that many people are facing, um, you know, uh, he, he, he could potentially go bankrupt. So, you know, those things are, are a pretty serious scenario. So when people get desperate, um, you know, you, you get, uh, different situations happening and I think that was quite an avoidable situation I think we come back to what can we do that is sensible uh, a sensible solution to a difficult situation that isn't endangering health um, remembering that we as a, as a crew uh, have operated uh, for the past 18 months under some pretty extensive quarantine conditions in both countries we're probably the most tested group in the country um, 
you know, I myself have had about 40 COVID tests. Um, so when you when you look at that, um, you have to say, you know, surely as a country, rather than scapegoating a group, and I've got no doubt that there was an element of scapegoating here, um, that we could look at a sensible solution. Unfortunately, whenever we've approached Sports New Zealand, um, who, who are very, very helpful, but their hands are tied. And we've been, we've been told that um, when we've looked for you know, different alternate options. Um, so, again, um, surely we should be looking at sensible solutions um, you know, where they aren't endangering the country, where they aren't endangering health. Um, if that's possible, I think we just need to see a bit of a shift in mindset. Well, you're a team. Uh, you train out of uh, a, a, a gym, City Kickboxing, which is uh, the highest profile, one of the highest profile sports teams uh, competing overseas. Uh, do you, you know, and you look at it and you, and you see uh, the Black Caps, the All Blacks, the Silver Ferns of late getting preferential treatment. Um, how, how do you feel about that? Um, I think what you want to see is consistency. And the re- I, I know why that's occurred, and it's based on, uh, probably as, as you're aware, you're aware it's based on economic value brought into the country um, and also, mm-hmm. to a certain extent, the, the size of the teams. Now, personally, I don't necessarily begrudge that, um, but um, it certainly... One, it gives a very high bar for, for an exclusionary basis because obviously, um, you know, Silver fans will have TV deals in New Zealand, so will the cricket team, um, and obviously the ABs as, as well. So that makes it, uh, that makes it an, an elite club. Um, I think in terms of making that economic argument, aside from the, uh, the, the revenue that Israel would bring uh, in terms of pubs and bars, which are stacked out when he's fighting similar for hooker. Um, that makes it a, a difficult road to hoe. I think the criteria um, from, a, from, a, uh, from a fairness perspective could be looked at in a, in a different way. Um, and, you know, uh, and this is not just for sports. This is for people who have to travel overseas in order to earn a living. You know, there's a lot of people who have been impacted by this, and and let's not uh, stop at the point where I'm saying, hey, sports people are special, and we should have special treatment. We should come back to economically these guys who have to live um, and and travel overseas in order to earn a living. Uh, is there a way we can look at doing that better? Is there a way that we can minimise suffering rather than creating an us and them environment where people, um, you know, where people are like, well, I'm suffering, so that person should suffer too. We need to have a bit of a change in mindset. And I think that would be a really valuable thing for, for us as a country. Extending that be kind as a motto, perhaps to be kind and be sensible um, if you're in the uh, bureaucracy and in the legis- legis- legislation-making um, capacity. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it is a, a, an interesting subject and, and a great debate. Uh, Mike, can we just move uh, on to the fights this weekend? Uh, and for Dan, as you mentioned, it's been far from ideal. Uh, he's only just basically left for Las Vegas, and he fights on Sunday, for goodness sake. Uh, what about uh, his last-minute build-up? Because normally you like to be quite settled going into a fight. He can hardly be that. 
Oh, it's very difficult. Um, you know, uh, obviously, you need training partners, you need space, um, you need the right equipment around you. Um, you know, and he was faced with a difficult situation where, in spite of the fact that he lives in the neighbourhood of his gym, he couldn't actually even go to his gym on his own to use the equipment there. So his build-up has been in his garage with a flatmate holding pads for him and working with him. Right, so that, uh, let's look at the... Fo- not, yeah. not easy. Sorry, the... <laughs> No, not far from easy. What what about his opponent? Uh, he is the favourite, uh, we understand, for the fight. Uh, tell us about his opponent. Oh, look, Nazrat, he's, he's up and coming. He's a left-hander. He's short. He's fast. He's powerful. He's actually very, very dangerous. It's a dangerous fight for Dan, simply because the guy he is uh, fighting um, is... is he, although he's untested at the higher realms, he... Uh, has a lower ranking. Dan's on a must-win situation, um, and and this guy's on fire at the moment. You know he's been blitzing his opponent, so it makes it a, a, extremely tough. I'd just like to note too, obviously with Nasrat, um, his mother died uh, recently, mm-hmm. so um, again a difficult build-up for for him in many ways. So I'd just like to acknowledge that for him and his situation. But Dan should have the skills to beat him uh, with a normal camp. I would say. Look, I, um, you know, I, I think Dan will beat him handily. Um, with the difficulties he's experienced, this makes this fight not only critical career-wise, um, but you know, it, it's very hard to predict. But one thing we know with Hooker is, uh, um, you know, he, he's he's tougher. He's tough as teak. Um, his his mindset's indomitable. Um, you know, and and he would rather die than give up a fight. Part of the city kickboxing stable is uh, the Aussie fighter, Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, he's the main event on Sunday, defending his uh, featherweight title against Brian Ortega. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, look, Ortega, everyone's hailing him as the second coming because he had a great performance against a Korean fighter. Um, but the Korean fighter, in many ways, was tailor-made for him. Uh, Ortega did show... Uh, better striking diversity. He showed uh, good fight IQ. He was able to switch. All those things. But Alex Volkanovsky is a different beast. Uh, Max Holloway uh, beat the living tar out of Ortega in their first fight for fourth round stoppage. Um, and obviously, Alex has two victories over uh, Max Holloway. One which was very, very clear. The other one which is an extremely close fight that could have gone either way. Um, so Volkanovsky... Uh, has a big point to prove uh, in terms of just establishing his legacy. Against a guy, we don't know how he will go at this top level again. This is his second step up. Uh, So, you know, I favour Alex, absolutely. He's got the power, he's got the gas tank. Um, The question is, can Ortega step up a level and, uh, you know, and make that fight, um, you know, into sort of the, the, the Holloway kind of classic um, but I, I would edge uh, edge bulk on that one. Okay, let's uh, and we can pop across to uh, to boxing now, uh, Mike and uh, Anthony Joshua, pride of Great Britain, puts his belts on the line against uh, Alexander Usyk at uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium this weekend. Uh, the Ukrainian cleaned out the cruiserweight division, but it's a step up for him. Uh, is he big enough to trouble Joshua? In your opinion? Uh, look, he, he, he's a he's a big, tall guy. 
Um, he's very skilled and he's a southpaw. Um, he will be used to being the underdog um, and he will be comfortable with, with that facet. Uh, the, the question comes down to, to a couple of things. Is how will AJ impose his physical presence? And Usyk knows he's going to come on strong early. But Usyk has a particular style. He, he's a very, very good technician, whereby he starts a little slow. He gets his rhythm. He works his southpaw angles. And then he, and then he comes on strong um, from mid-rounds onwards. Um, if he can create difficulties for Joshua, not allow him to get his feet set, keep him turning, take the power away from him, uh, then it takes him into territory that Joshua, frankly, hasn't been in too often. Uh, I think he went into the 11th with Klitschko. He obviously did 12 with, um, uh, with, with Joseph, and he outpointed uh, Ruiz. Now, this is no Ruiz. He's not going to sit on the outside and pop him with the jab. So it's a very interesting fight. I favour Anthony Joshua, but, um, but Usyk, you know, he's a different character as well. He's not intimidated by it. He's, he's slightly eccentric. If, if you looked at him in the photos leading up this week, you'd think he's the kind of guy you absolutely wouldn't want to meet in Hannibal Lecter's garage. Uh, he looks slightly mm. psychotic. Um, but, but look, I reckon it's a fascinating fight. Uh, the last Southport I remember for Joshua was when he fought Charles Martin, um, and he handled him really well. Uh, obviously, Usyk's a big step up from, from Charles Martin, but, but AJ did handle the Southpaw well. He did handle, uh, you know, slipping to a different side and throwing the right down the tubes. So you know, there's some good options there. Just finally, uh, just finally, Mike, during the week, uh, or just earlier last week, in fact, uh, uh, a December rematch for Joe Parker and Derek Chisora. Will we have to see a change in attitude, a change in technique from Parker? Uh, look, I think he just needs to he needs to control from early. You know, uh, a little bit of a difficult situation last time. We're talking about guys who are coming out of long layoffs, uh, you know, lockdown scenarios. Derek Chisora is what Derek, you know, we know what he's going to bring. Joe needs to get on the front foot early. He needs to dictate the pace with his jab. But he also needs to dictate in a controlled manner where he doesn't try and blow his pennies too early um, and, and keep Derek on, on the back foot. He's, he's dangerous. He's going to get on the inside. He's going to be dirty. But we know what he's going to bring. The one thing we do know with, with Joe Parker is he has the ability to get off the canvas. He's done this on two occasions. Um, you know, obviously with Dillian White, he got off the canvas and almost stopped him late. He did it against Chisora. So we know he has that internal combustion engine that just keeps them going. So so that's an, an interesting facet. I've just got my kids uh, upstairs running around like nuts, so I'm going to look forward to the conversation I have with them when we're off this one. <laughs> hey, we'll let you, hey, Mike, thanks so much. We'll let you go and clean up, uh, clean up that job. Uh, thank, yeah, thanks for your time this morning. Yeah, you're on to it, no mate. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> Enjoy the weekend of uh, pugilism. Uh, I'm sure everyone will. Uh, Mike Ango there, folks.